We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted the film show. You're listening to Unscripted the film show. You can't handle the truth. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Funny how, like I amuse you. Uh, welcome, Unscriptonites, to Unscripted, the film show. Cecilia and Rachel here um, in charge. In charge. Of the um, panel. The panel, the, the microphone, the conversation. The airwaves. All of the above. Just your device. Just a cruising. Ready? Hey, Siri. Hey, Alexa. Hey, what are the other ones called? Hey, Google. <laughs> Oh, mine's like, I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, I know. I did that just to everybody's phone right then. <laughs> I feel in so How much control. Powerful. Um, yeah, I'm feeling very powerful today, apparently. Um, but we, um, I can't even remember why Lewis is not here. To, oh, opening a fringe. Yes, he's doing some fringe stuff. Yes, yeah. He's going to get a fringe. No. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? I couldn't actually imagine him with a fringe. Oh, that would be so bad. Yeah, no, I don't think it would be a good look for him. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, he's doing some fringy fringe stuff cool. and I'm sure we will hear more about fringe in the coming weeks, which reminds me I need to go on the internets and try and see what's happening, maybe go to a couple of things. I can definitely recend um oh can't remember what they're called. They are I can very, recommend something. They are good they are four acrobats who are men and they put on a really good show. Um oh. Heads First Acrobats. Oh, there you go. Uh, they put on a show last year which I seen which was called Gods. Uh absolutely hilarious. And they're doing a that show this year plus another show uh, involving their, their cowboys in this one. So they were Greek goddess, gods in their first show. Yeah. Um, and these are sexy acrobats, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a quite a sexual, um, fun show. I hope I can say that on the radio. It's sexual. a sexual, fun show. Uh, no, they're just very um, athletic. Um, and, and there is some, you know... Um, implied nudity if you like implied nudity so you don't actually see <laughs> anything but they dance around and they have like there was a scene where they had those big plates which they put in front of their private areas oh, okay. and then they do the swapping around of them so it's oh, quite good fun oh that does um, sound funny yeah gods and then they're doing another one i don't know the show uh, about the cowboys but a cowboy version where they're cowboys cool so, and sounds I mean, good i'm sure acrobatics. they'll be i feel like they'll be hats, hats? in in place yes. of they might do something with a whip. They might do something. There might be some um, chaps with some the, the, chaps. The yes, bits behind, not in mm-hmm. place. I um, believe they're called arseless chaps. Arseless, no, no. 
Assless Chuck. Anyway, Assless. I, I went to their show last year and it was a sold out show. It was packed and there was men and women. Like it was very half and half. It wasn't just a, you know. Man, I need to. Um, only show. Um, And I. What are they called again? Uh, head First Acrobats. Head First Acrobats. Acrobats. I'm I'm literally putting it into my putting notes. Putting a great show. I will best forget. Time. Best time ever. Uh, I loved their show. I seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to see Gods again, mm-hmm. and I want to see the other one where they're cowboys. Oh. So you know. Anyway, I'm sure there's other great stuff at um, Fringe, but yes, there's wanted. plenty of there's comedy, there's burlesque, there's musical acts, there's kids acts, there's just, just everything. A plethora. So yeah, do do head on websites and have a look because that's what what you do. That's you look what you're at websites. doing. And, um, yeah, I'm sure. Lewis There's paper will... things to look at too. But Thanks. look, hey, you can look at it any way you want. You just, any, we're not in control. Of, we're not in control want. of that. <laughs> That's the way. That just reminds me of Pitch Perfect. Like every <laughs> anyway. It reminds me of um, Rock of a no Rock of Ages. I've never seen that. Rock of Ages. Is that the one with Tom Cruise? Yes. I've not seen that. Great you know movie. why? Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just want to apologise in advance. I don't know what's happened. The microphones went on and I've gone loopy. So have I. Like I, I don't like know. A... We're bouncing off each other as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because t- before the mics went on, we were like sitting here telling each other how drained we were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is kind of what happens when I get tired as well. I do go loopy and my child does that as well. So yeah. people who are like, oh, my God, my my kid gets so horrible when he's tired I'm like you should hang out with my dude my, he's hilarious <laughs> I get that I'm very weird when I'm tired and mm. I feel like that's just carried on from you know when I was a child and you know on the floor we're just weird full stop and that too yeah we are weird but um we we do have a few films to talk about. Oh, tonight. look, let's move on to the actual show. Yes. Um, I went and saw The Colour Purple last night and this is the musical remake of the musical that came out in 2005, the Broadway musical, um, which is based on the movie from 1985, which is also based on a book by I think her name was Alice Walker. So, yeah. If you don't know what The Colour Purple is, um, you're probably of a certain age group. I found that out yesterday when I mentioned it to a co-worker. She's like, what's that? And then I tried to explain there's some – it's a musical remake of a film about time in the South and there's some, like, domestic violence and Mm -hmm. implied incest. And she's like, and it's a musical? And I'm like – yeah, I know how weird that sounds. I'm going to have to find a better way to describe this to people because they're just going to look at me funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, and it's very hard to find on IMDb oh. if you are an Australian or English person because they have spelt it the American way, obviously, because ah, it's an American-made film. And I felt like a dummy yesterday looking for it. But if you want to watch the original, um, it's on Binge. Oh, excellent. Because I'm know, like, oh, I might hit that up. I've never seen the original. <gasps> I know the film. I know it has Oprah Winfrey in it, and I know that Whoopi it, Goldberg, man, is, she's in it as well. Isn't she's she? yes. the main chick. I know off the film. I know about the film, and but every time I've heard it referenced, I've always heard it referenced because it's quite a it's hard heavy. film and it's a heavy, heavy film to watch. Which I think is why I have always avoided it. It's not. Yeah, it's just every time I've heard it, yeah, people speak about the film. Yeah. Uh, which is probably why I should watch it because, you know, a challenging film is always a good film. So. I don't think it was ever a challenging film. I think it, it is emotional. Emotional. Yeah. Yep. But speaking of challenging and emotional films, is Priscilla 
one of those films? Because well, you've got that to review tonight. This is a film, yes. And this one is written and directed by Sophia Coppola, who I feel like always takes a little bit of a darker look at um, mm. things anyway. But uh, it is Priscilla's tale and the film is adapted from Priscilla Presley's memoir, Elvis and Me. So I feel like it's probably a little bit more authentic than maybe how Priscilla and Elvis were portrayed in, you know, Laz Berman's... Um, Laz Berman. <laughs> I just I've, I've swapped the letters around. Sorry, Laz. Um, <laughs> Baz Lerman. <laughs> Isn't there a name for that when you get that? I feel like there's a proper name for that. Is it um, just ADHD or is probably, it like yeah, probably. just tiredness? Um, or? Yeah, and I feel like it, they're pro- it's probably more of a authentic look at their relationship than, you know, yeah, Baz Luhrmann's one, particularly um, his was quite colourful and flamboyant um, mm. and particularly in the first half of the film. So, yeah, I'll delve into that a little bit um, as well, which is good. So, um, but I guess we should pr- uh, prickly. What is wrong with me? Quickly <laughs> run through the Golden Globe winners. Yeah, uh, let's do that. Which... I've I've not, I didn't keep up with it. That's okay, neither did I. I, just... I do, however, know that, I'm Kenuff, one best song. Kenuff, yes, that has been making um, the, the rounds. rounds but oh, that's uh, all I know. Here we go. So the, oh, they have multiple winners for each um, category. Or oh, the note, sorry, these are the, are these the nominations? Um, <laughs> <laughs> these are, I'm sorry, these are both the nomination and the winner. So the best. I should not be. I I literally today. just blacked out and had a stroke <laughs> from laughing so hard. I should there. not be here. Um, um, no, please be here because the the show would be even wackier without you. So, so please please don't list uh, leave list. I read list because I'm looking for the list online. Best motion picture. People or, are either turning this off right now or, or turning it up. Yeah, I know. Hopefully, turning it up. I know. Uh, this, this is what happens when Lewis is away. This keeping is us on track. It's all um, his fault. Best motion picture for a drama was the winner was Oppenheimer. The nominees were Anatomy of a Fall, a film I can't wait to see, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Past Lives, The Zone of Interest. So Oppenheimer was the winner for that film. Uh, best motion picture, musical or comedy, our nominations were Air, American Fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, and a film called May, December, which I'm actually seeing this Saturday. Oh, there you go. Uh, and the winner, uh, and Poor Things, and the winner was Poor Things, a film so I've not seen. I originally kept watching the trailers to this and was like, no. Also, I'm not a huge fan of Emma Stone. Mm. And I'm like, oh, but Mark Ruffalo's in it and I am a fan of him. But the more I watch stuff and read about it, it looks like a reimagining of Frankenstein. Yeah. So, which makes me want to watch it. Yeah. So I am intrigued um, to have a look at that. Paul Giamatti won for The Holdovers. He was um, Best Actor in a Motion Picture and uh, he was up against Joaquin Phoenix in Bo is Afraid, which we're afraid to see. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction, which I've never heard of. Matt Damon in Air, which is a friggin' amazing film. Timothy Chalamet in Wonka and Nicolas Cage in Dream Scenario. Uh, um. And Best Actress in... 
Oh, my goodness. These are too hard to read. You know what? People can read themselves. Let's just scroll down and see if there's anything that jumps out at, at us that we are excited about. I'm sad that Ted Lasso didn't win Best TV Series. Oh, and Jury Judy was up for that too, and I freaking loved that. That was um, entertaining. Mm. The winner was Bear. That's the Best Musical Comedy Series. Yeah, and I think Bear won... Uh, like six awards out of the total 15 that you could possibly win. Wow. Or something on the lines. Don't quote me. Have you seen it? No. So I watched the very first episode of this and me too. it didn't quite click with me. Me too. And often I need something that draws me in. However, in saying that, I was the same with Shit's Creek. I watched one episode, wasn't really drawn in. And then after hearing you speak about it again, I thought I'm going to give this a go. And then yeah. I just couldn't stop watching it, that yeah. show. So I wonder if Bear's similar in that you just need to push through potentially. I, it's quite yeah. a bleak start to a show. I think that's probably what got me off. Mm. I think I need to be in a different mind frame. But, yeah, I did watch the first episode and I was like, meh. And People also, rave about it though. I so know. I'm it like, has to be good because everyone be good. talks about it. And... Um, Best Limited Anthology Series or Anthology Series, Best Limited Series um, or Motion Picture Made for Television. Why? This is why I don't follow this stuff. I can't even read the sentence. Um, but Beef was the winner. And, again, um, I've not seen that. I watched some of the first episode and I went, this is amazing. And then I just, for some reason, didn't, didn't keep watching back. it. Um but it was against uh, Lessons in chem- Chemistry, which I haven't seen, Daisy Jones and the Six, which I loved, All the Light That We Cannot See, which I want to watch, Fellow Travellers and Fargo. So, um, But, yeah, I don't think we need to go through the rest of them unless no, there's anything else that's jumping like out at you. People can jump on and have a look, but I feel like there's definitely a lot of things on here that I'm going to put onto my uh, watch list. Yes. And uh, a few things I'm looking forward to coming out. A few things that I um, missed in like media screenings that have popped up, like American mm. Fiction was one that I um, had oh, see, was I going never to go heard of that. and see and then I never got to. It's got the, um, oh, I feel really horrible, I can't remember her name. Um, she's in Seinfeld. Oh, Julia Louise Dreyfus? Yes, she's in the film uh, as well. And it was a Saturday preview and I missed this but heard really, really good things, kind of one that I wanted to go to. But, yeah, um, I think for me the biggest one I'm looking forward to seeing is Anatomy of a Fall. Mm. I think the title sounds cool. And that's Um, out now. So you guys can go and see it now and and, uh, see why it's won um, Best Foreign Film. But I guess, you know... Uh, see, uh, the awards season is upon us, so I imagine Oscars are coming up soon. I wonder if Barry Keegan's yeah. going to get nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> it's interesting that, um, so there was a lot of controversy and I said off air, we won't talk about it, um, but now I am. Um, there was a controversy about the dude who did the monologue mm-hmm. and how bad the monologue was and then he kept making excuses for it like, hey, I only got the job 10 days ago and I didn't write these jokes. You're laughing at the ones I wrote. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of stuff that he said that people were like, wow, he's lame. Mm. Um, but he did talk. There was some quite funny stuff he mentioned about um, Barry um, <laughs> Our good friend Barry. Our good friend Barry. That was entertaining. So, um, yeah, I told somebody else to to watch Saltburn. Oh, okay. So I know we've got to go to an ad, but just quickly before we do that, I went to training the other day and my trainer was like, oh, have you seen any good movies? And I said, have you seen Saltburn? And she's like, oh, man. That, like, so I was like, oh, okay, she didn't like it. And then somebody else at the gym was like, 
Um, my friend told me that was a Christmas movie <laughs> and I watched it with the in-laws. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you, on you like what part of the film do you get up to where you are <laughs> wonder it's not a Christmas movie? <laughs> when is the Christmas stuff happening? When does like is it does it get so awkward that you're like I don't know if I should say I feel like should we turn this off or if I'm the one who says let's turn it off and are they going to think I'm really a prude or um I feel like they watched enough of the film to go oh it's not a Christmas movie but we're kind of halfway through should we just keep going and they're like yeah yeah <laughs> and they did and get this there was like a couple of teenage kids there but they but they get bo- they got bored 20 minutes in and left good so good they news. didn't get it into any of the scenes excellent. that excellent. Uh, yeah. not want to but I just thought that was the funniest thing and I, and as soon as she said oh yeah my friend said it was a Christmas movie I'm like so she's not your friend anymore or <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, on that note we will go to some sponsors and come back with some reviews you're listening to unscripted the film show so I feel like I've rambled for a long time. Would you like to take over and talk to us about Priscilla? I can talk about Priscilla. I certainly have been rambling too. So (laughs) I don't think you've been rambling any more than I have. But I can talk about Priscilla. This is a film which is in cinemas now. It is written and directed by Sofia Coppola. uh, And it is adapted from Priscilla Presley's memoir, Elvis and Me. And it is interesting to see this take as well because I know uh, a lot of people... Uh, in the family weren't overly happy with Baz Luhrmann's version of uh, Elvis and particularly how Priscilla was Mm. portrayed. So I feel like this, you know, and I know part of the family was involved in producing the film too. So, you know, they've really got the backing and the support behind the film. So to me, it felt a little bit more um, authentic watching this film, knowing it might be a little bit more um, accurate. Accurate. Mm-hmm. So I would say this really explores the the dark side of the romance between Elvis Presley and Priscilla. And you've got Kaylee Spaining who plays both the kind of child version at 14, um, the Priscilla, and then uh, as she grows up into an adult. So in the film, it's when she we meet her at just 14, when she meets uh, the rock and roll superstar Elvis Presley, played by Jacob Elordi at a party at his home uh, near a US Army in West Germany. So she's living with her family here at Mm. the time and uh, she's invited to a party and, you know, the two hit it off and, you know, their romance blossoms uh, as well. But uh, it is really Priscilla's tale. Uh, A lot of it is on her, the focus on her and her relationship and, uh, you know, Elvis in the film as well is a little bit more of a darker kind of complicated version than what we got to see. I feel um, like that does sound more accurate. Yeah, than what we got to see um, through Austin Butler's version in Baz Luhrmann's uh, Elvis, which, you know, and that is a completely different 
genre type of film. We mm. expected to see that. And, you it's know, a spectacle, as, yeah. as most yeah. Laz Berman films are. Laz, <laughs> best name ever. Um, I mean, even in that film, as the film progresses, we do get to see, you know, Butler's version take a dark turn. But in this particular film, it's kind of uh, evident that he's already struggling with the drug abuse, you know, you know, taking sleeping tablets to, to go to sleep and then taking tablets to stay awake. Uh, and, you know, Priscilla in turn also starts to develop this type of habit too. But, mm. you know, we see her kind of bought, you know, she's taken away from her home from a really young age and she moves in and then all of a sudden Elvis is, he's never there. He's always off working and, mm. you know, she's trying to get a hold of him or she's trying to spend time with him. You know, she's still studying as a student when she meets him. Yeah. Uh, and She's a high schooler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's hard because you kind of look at... The film stops kind of short of labelling Elvis as a groomer and Priscilla as his victim. I think, you know, Sophia's more kind of interested in the, you know, kind of smaller intricacies of their relationship, but mm-hmm. the darker part of that as well. And... But it is also hard as an audience member to look past that age difference, Mm -hmm. even though she's intentionally trying not to focus it on that. There's no focus on that, but you still as an audience sit there and go, oh. But to me, the film portrays this as a relationship was that was doomed from the very beginning. It's mm. not a film that you go in and you see this beautiful romance unfold and you go, oh, my God, it's a love story. Mm-hmm. It's already very just gro- like gloomy from the beginning. You know that, you know, you've got this young girl who absolutely falls in love with this guy who then goes away and doesn't return her calls for a couple of weeks because he's so busy and then just decides to pop up when it's convenient for him mm. and draw her back in, almost use her in a sense mm. um, when he, when it's, you know, convenient from he, for him. I wonder if this explains why they only had one child. Yeah. Because they never saw each other. And I think that could be right because most of this film is, you know, 95% Priscilla on her own. Yeah. Him just popping up, calling whenever and, you know, you know, did he have affairs or, oh, you know, yes. was he in he bed with other women? And then there's a fantastic, you know, look, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush too. It is a bit of a bore, this film. Like it's not a film that, you know, not much happens. It is a real look at a crappy relationship. But mm. I, I like the way it doesn't... Um, it doesn't try and paint it as something romantic and lovely because mm-hmm. it wasn't. And I like the way that that was done. I like Coppola's, you know, version of this and I like, ah, oh, what's the word, the the way it looked. I liked mm-hmm. all of that. So I, li- I liked the film. It's not a, a, an amazing film or, an, you know, it, it probably will win awards, but it's not amazing. Mm-hmm. But I like that it felt authentic and real and that's what their relationship was. But uh, there's a fantastic scene towards the end where Priscilla, and there's no spoilers, we all know Priscilla leaves Elvis, Mm -hmm. where um, he asks her, and this is not verbatim because I can't remember the line, but he um, asks her, oh, are you leaving me for another man? And she says something about, no, I'm leaving you for me 
or something mm. like that. Um, and I thought that was very powerful for her mm. to finally realise that, you know, she's better than this and that she can go off and – or she goes, I'm leaving to go and have my own life or something like that. Yeah. So, look, I think this is um, – despite the fact of, you know, this age gap, uh, it doesn't paint it as being a, you know, kind of predatory mm. situation at all. You know, Priscilla was just – you know, as in love with Elvis as, you know, he appeared in love with her. But it is a look at a messy, complicated relationship that involves fame and involves someone much younger mm. uh, and involves, you know, what happens to you when, yeah, the media is, is always around you as well and, and when you're left alone because, you know, someone you love is always working. So mm. I think there's some authenticity there and I liked that about the film. Mm. So um, I certainly recommend people seeing it's very different to Elvis, um, you know, <laughs> very, very different. So it is in cinemas now. I'm going to score this three and a half uh, beehives. That's so interesting because uh, when I review The Colour Purple, I had an idea of how I was going to score it. Oh, I hope I haven't stolen it. Nope. Okay. But it's just interesting that I've... Okay. And you, you'll see why. Um. <laughs> So you can understand why a beehive is, is appropriate there because of all the hairstyles. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she was a very glamorous young lady. Is um, this on? This is on at the cinemas, isn't it? It's, it's not streaming. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's at cinemas now, select cinemas. Uh, I always say select because I don't know if it's a wide release or if yeah. it's just at your kind of independence. But it's not a long, overly long film. Uh, it's just a little bit slow because it really is an exploration of a relationship. Yeah. Um, not, you know, him coming to fame or, you know, her. Yeah, it, it's just an exploration of a, a very interesting relationship. Um, since you mentioned the word slow, let's talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. Ah. Um, so I've been, I, I wanted to see this film because I knew quite a lot about the history of the events that the movie surrounds mm -hmm. or to, um, is based on, um, just because of my prolific listening to true crime podcasts. Um, but I had to wait because I wasn't willing to pay for it. I was like, it, it'll eventually come to something that um, will be free. Uh, uh, did that message just come through? Yeah. Yeah, we know, Lewis. <laughs> it says, um, <laughs> Don't forget I will not be in tonight. <laughs> uh, yes, you are not here. Thank <laughs> you. We noticed. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. Uh, I hope he is. <laughs> um, but he said uh, he's going to review the colour purple and he spelt it the uh, American way. Good job. And the beekeeper, or beekeeper next week. So, But I'll probably, I will still talk about colour purple tonight because there's no embargo. But um, so now it is available for streaming if you have Apple um, TV. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it called. I struggle with that every time. Anyway, so... I said to Chris, like, I was doing a puzzle and watching it. Mm -hmm. um, and Chris is like, what are you watching? And I said, oh, um, it's like a three-hour movie, so I won't watch it all in one go. But I did. And that's because I had nothing else to do. I was on holidays last mm -hmm. week and I had a lovely puzzle and I just sat there and did it and watched it. And thank God I had something else going because it was a very slow movie. It's long. 
it's 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 long. over three hours. Mm, three hours twenty five or something, I think. Yep. Um I started watching it too, but um unlike you, it's taken me I started watching it Monday night and I still haven't finished because I'm only able to watch an hour at a time. Not because the movie's terribly boring. It is mm. very slow, but I just can't stay awake for three and a half hours watching a film. I think it is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think um the thing is, right, what it's based on, I know this has been out for a long time, but there was a family that moved to um, Osage um, country in, I forget which um, which state it's in. It's Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Or outside, near Oklahoma. Um, anyway, so they moved there because these um, Native uh, Americans have basically landed on oil. They found oil and they've become prolifically rich, like the richest people in in the country. And so these white dudes are like, let's go there and, quote, unquote, fall in love with the local women, Mm -hmm. marry them. And then, I mean, if they happen to die, that's unfortunate. They're sickly people. Um, and, oh, we will inherit their money. Um, but it's not just that. Um, they, because they're seen as non, I don't know, non-American or whatever, whatever reason they had, once they um, had money, they're actually not responsible for their own money. They had a, like a guardian who says yes or no to what money they get to spend, which is their own money. Oh. It's very complicated. Um and I think the movie does an okay job of trying to explain it, but yep. but I think people will still walk away not quite understanding why on earth, like how that actually works. Yeah, I'm. I have to admit, part parts of the film are confusing me, and yeah. I'm like, is it because I'm not fully engaged, or because I'm watching an hour here and an hour here and an hour here, or is it genuinely because you have to probably know a little bit about the history to maybe? I think so because they the they do go into it a little bit. When, when the main character goes to to um, basically get some money for medical purposes, mm-hmm. you initially think, is she getting this money that belongs to an estate that's been left to her? Is it a trust? Is it um, somebody yeah. else's money? Is it the government's money? Uh, but it's no, it's her money. Subtle. She's not. She's yeah. just not able to access some it. Some of it's very subtle in the way it's uh-huh. told, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, <sighs> But yeah, three three and a bit hours is is a long time to watch, and I just felt like it could have maybe chopped an hour and made it faster. <laughs> I am enjoying uh, Lily Gladstone's performance. Oh yeah, she's, she's doing, wonderful. Um, wonderful. I mean, look, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is fantastic, but is he nah. a shining star in the film? No, nah, nah, not he's really. He's just kind of boring. Kind of boring. Um, but yeah, it's. Yeah, look, I'm I'm going to continue. I've got about 25 minutes left of the film. I've just kind of oh, where I've come into where Brendan Fraser is in the film. Oh, right. Um, yep. And I can't tell if it's really poor acting or he's basing his performance off an actual person and that person was like that. Probably yeah. person, I think. I find, I'm just finding his performance it's very It's kind of ridiculous. Ridiculous? And yeah, and I and I feel like maybe the person he's portraying was potentially like that and that's what I don't know but um I'll finish it probably tonight yeah yeah (laughs) but it's slow it's very slow it's very slow imagine seeing this in cinemas I god 
I just, there's no way I could have. My bladder yeah. would not have I held out. I paused this film and I'm like, oh, I'm out an hour and a half. This is actually a real length film. And then I'm like, I've still got a whole nother film and a half uh-huh. to watch. It yeah. Was just... I kept pausing it or checking the time stamp mm. on it as well. I'm like, really? Mm. Really? And even towards the end, I was like, well, I must have only like five minutes left. Nope. Nope, still got 45 minutes. Okie dokies. <laughs> but any, it's not as long as The Irishman apparently. Yeah. Which is, again, I still have not watched. I've I tried to watch this film and, <laughs> and yeah. Oh, it's my just goodness. so dialogue heavy and ah, I feel like there's, <laughs> I just need some a little action, a little action here and there. Oh, dear. All right, we'll go to another um, sponsor and I'll be back and have a chat about uh, The Colour Purple. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So in 1985, a film called The Colour Purple came out and um, it took the world by storm. It was uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, got nominated a ridiculous amount of time, uh, all the times for the Oscar mm. Oscars, but... Um, Steven Spielberg didn't didn't get nominated or he didn't win. No, I'm pretty sure he just didn't get nominated. But anyway, uh, it starred Whoopi Goldberg in the um, Sealy characters. See, now I've gone from loopy to not being able to make sentences. Uh, the main character, Sealy. And, oh, yes. uh, yep. yeah, so it is based on a book written, um, I want to say by Alice Walker, but, um, don't quote me on that because I need to go and find the information. Maybe that's something that you can do. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, Alice Walker. Oh, look at me remembering stuff. Good job. So in 2005, a musical version of this beloved tale, um, hit the Broadway, um, Boards, Broadway boards, yep. And this is a remake of the musical. So um, the musical pulled from the book, not Mm -hmm. from the movie. So there were things when I was watching last night where I was like, I don't quite remember this in the first movie and I've seen it a few times. Mm -hmm. So there is probably stuff in this that was not in the original uh, that's been pulled from the book. But um, essentially it's... a it's a difficult film to to describe because it it deals with some very heavy stuff. It takes place over 40 years. It starts in 1909 um, and focuses on two sisters, Celie and Nettie, and basically they're, um, they live with their dad because their mum's passed away, but their dad is not a great guy. Mm-hmm. That's probably as much as I need to say um, because people who have seen the movie will know and people who haven't seen the movie will find out. Um, And when Celie's quite young, she basically gets sold off to a dude that she knows only as Mr. for a really, really long time, essentially as a wife because his his previous um, wife has either died or moved, I can't quite remember, but he's got four kids to take care of and he needs a woman in the house to cook and clean and all that sort of stuff. So she moves in at a very young age and he is the devil. He is a horrible, horrible human being and really mistreats her. Um, and during her her life, 
she unfortunately gets separated from her sister Nettie. Her her devil of a husband or whoever he whatever name you want to give him uh, basically sends Nettie away and um, Nettie sends letters and and uh, Mister he takes the letters and basically hides them from Celie. So all these years Celie doesn't realise that her sister is writing to her. Um, it also she it shows some lovely friendships that she she gets from uh, Sophia, who is played by Danielle Brooks in this one. Celia is played by Fantasia uh, Barino in this particular uh, film, and she actually is reprising her role. So she played it um, on the oh, boards. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so Sophia, uh, played by Danielle Brooks, who is from. Um, orange is the new black. Mm-hmm. Far out. Can you just take over? No, you're doing great. This is no, I'm not. Oh, you <laughs> are though. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this because oh. I, I, I want to know just how. Feel like I'm really struggling to no, talk. No, no. Anyway, you know what is so fascinating to me is this is such a dark movie. I'm like, how have they now taken this and turned it into to a musical? Which is what this really... is what I was thinking originally. Like, how how do they bring a light into some really dark? Like, yeah. it is domestic violence and implied, like I said before, implied incest and. Uh, yeah, so I was like, how are they How are they even going to do this? But Sophia is a larger-than-life character. Mm. She takes no crap from nobody and she starts um, – she ends up having a baby with Mr's oldest um, son. Oh, wow. I feel like I don't need to tell this whole story, do I? What am I doing? Um, anyway, Sophia is amazing. Um, she takes no shit but then she ends up in bad circumstances and um, – yeah, so that's part of the story. You've got Suge Avery, who is basically uh, Mister's love from many years ago, mm-hmm. the woman he believes he should have married. Um, but she comes in and um, Celie is basically obsessed with her. So there's a lot of things happening because it is it does span 40 years. That's a long time. It is a long time. Um, and towards the end of the film, I was – I. I was confused as to what these extra bits were. But anyway, they do bring light into this with the music and the music is amazing. Mm -hmm. On the drive home, I was playing the music um, on the drive home, yeah. And they have kept a couple of the songs that were in the original um, film because Suge Avery is a blues singer and she sings a couple of songs um, in the original movie and Mm -hmm. in this film, obviously, and they've, they've used those songs so uh which which is great everyone is fantastic in this film there's nobody here that is like um half doing a half job it's everyone's fantastic um lewis next week you're going to review this way better um than i have but anyway it's fantastic I loved it. You did. I cried three times. I had to get out. I was very glad I put tissues in my handbag because I used them. I needed them. And I am going to give this four and a half beehives. Hey, beehives. But it's beehives with actual bees in them. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because it starts in 1903. Nine and finishes yep. around nineteen forty nine. Wow, that's amazing! I I think I need to go and watch the Color Purple, the original, and then it's dark. 
Go when, and watch this. Yeah, so yeah. I got into about 20 to 40 minutes into this film. I can't remember when. I was watching it and remembering why I haven't watched The Colour Purple or why it's left such a imprint. And I yeah. would have watched that I probably um, in my teens. Like yeah. I would have definitely been too young to understand some of the stuff that actually comes up because there is definitely things in this that I didn't realise at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realise that Sophia was um, basically um, Celie's daughter-in-law mm. I didn't realize that that who was who the character was I just thought it was some other lady who was living there and maybe that's how it was portrayed in the original film I do have to go back and rewatch that because um I feel like the relationships in this particular one yep. are so um so intricate and I don't know how intricate they are in the first one I don't mm. know if I'm just misremembering it because it's been a long time or whether I didn't watch it with the same eyes because I was a lot younger. Don't yeah. I? Yeah. Fascinating. I um yeah. Rotten Tomatoes obviously um the general consensus is it's building on the legacy of the previous film adaptation while incorporating elements of the stage musical The Color Purple is a crowd pleasing testament to resilience in the face of trauma. There you go. I um, should have just read that. Um it but, is beautiful yeah. to look at as well. I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah, even just the cover of this, like the uh, the colour purple, it's got the um, the three main characters there and like this, yeah, purple background. So I, I yeah, but I, yeah, I want to see this. It's, it's set in um, in Georgia. so Georgia. Georgia. So you've got some very lovely accents there too and great music. Anyway, uh, I'm going to play a couple of uh, sponsors. I was going to say trailers. Trials. But they're not. They're sponsors. All right. Boy. No, we'll be back. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hello again. Hello again. Um, we don't have much of the show left. Um I haven't watched much else over the over the little span of time. Nor have I. Except but, trying to watch Killers of a Flower Moon, which <laughs> has taken me a long time. I um I did get excited because I'm a very sad human being um when I realised that a season fourteen was available for me to watch of Hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of wondering where you were going because I was like season fourteen, okay, cool TV series. What is Rachel into? That would be season fourteen, and I'm like, I did not expect. But in saying that. I love watching Hoarders. I love that show. Yep. And I think, and I hate to say this, I think it's because I'm like, mm, I'm a very weird, strange person. And then I watch that show and I go, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Maybe that's why I watch it too. I'm like, no, I'm good. I think there's just such a fascination behind people who hoard though. Like it's such an interesting... I understand it's like a, a disorder. Yes, yeah. it fascinates me why people hold on to things. It's it's sad at the end. Sometimes they do a bit of a recap on you know this person is doing therapy and is doing really well, but oftentimes it's this person is completely rehoarded. Yeah, and and I think that's the nature of reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. Even though they're going in with those kind of things, trying to do a good thing, oftentimes. They're doing it in such a short span of time. How is somebody supposed to be, you know, mentally prepared to have all of their stuff gone? You and know? is that the best and most effective way of doing it? Well, Should it's it be not. a slow thing. 
it's definitely should be, but yeah. television doesn't work that way. I know. So. I always find it sad when I'm watching the show, like genuinely sad when people, um, they're pulling the stuff out of the house and the person's walking around picking up things again. Going mm. like holding on to it, and mm. it's like, what is you know, what is the sentiment behind that particular object? Is is there, or is it you just? Yeah, I find it fascinating. I'm very interested in hoarding. Yeah, yeah. And um, I also have been watching Ambulance. I love that stuff too. It's pretty cool. You know, paramedics doing good stuff, and yeah. you know, and that show also sometimes makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the real reality. It's not like mm-hmm. the show like it's not like the um, you know, Kardashians or, you know, um, yeah. you know, the glitz and glamour of the world where, you know, the real housewives of so and so. It's, you know, yeah. people out there doing good things and Yeah, my friends are paramedic and I don't know how she does it, honestly. Tough gig. And mm. you know, occasionally I think she's had one where she's had she's she was able to deliver a baby but it's not very often they get them um Mm. and and it can be a very very rewarding job but also super stressful and they're dealing with a lot of mental health issues out there as well so um yeah but i i love that show too so good show but i yeah other than that i'm kind of out um apparently there was something i was going to talk about last week but i've forgotten so. I swear there was a film that we didn't get to, but maybe we did get to it last week. We um, talked a lot last week. We did. Week. We had a big show. Um, but uh, I I did watch Good Grief, which is a film that's been out for a few weeks. Mm, so That's um, on Netflix, isn't it? It is on Netflix. And the reason I wanted to watch it, because it is, of course, written and directed by Dan Levy of uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, who we love. Mm. Um, and it is his first big feature uh, that he has written and directed. And he plays uh, Mark, who is this painter, turned illustrator and at his Christmas soiree, 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 thank you, soiree, uh, he and his best-selling author hubby Oliver, played by Luke Evans, um, they throw this every year at their London home. They're quite an elite couple, um, you know, particularly Oliver who's this, you know, author and then, uh, you know, Mark who's this, yeah, he kind of illustrates his books for him. But they're mm. an elite couple, lots of friends, you know, parties, lavish things, they're rich, they've got the money. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately the festivities are cut short when Oliver leaves early for a work trip uh, and dies just a block away uh, in a car accident. This happens, you know, right up at the front of the film, so it's not really spoiling anything. But, you know, of course Mark is devastated and he draws a lot of his support from his best mates, uh, Thomas and Sophie. But the film jumps ahead a year and Mark is still grieving, but he finally opens this Christmas card that Oliver had given him the year before. Um, And there's some information in here which is revealed, which then leads Mark to Paris. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much of the plot details, but, yeah, he uncovers some information that he wasn't aware of um, leading him to Paris, which he goes on a bit of a trip with his friends uh, and they, you know, begin to learn a little bit more. So I think for me the film wasn't as, you know, emotionally affecting as the title implies, Good Mm. Grief. Uh, It doesn't really wallow in that, you know, pain or sadness that, you would expect for someone grieving it kind of shows him upset and then it just jumps you know forward a year Mm. but at the same time I kind of like that it wasn't too sad because Mm. I don't particularly I was kind of umming and ahhing about watching you don't want to sit in somebody else's grief yeah because I was like I don't want to watch a film that's going to make me cry and be sad because the way that the synopsis read it it sounds really sad Mm. but then you watch this film and you go oh okay the only, I, I feel like the film is a good start for Levy. I don't think it's a, 
you know, um, a well put together film. I don't think it's very well executed. Mm. I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of good parts. There's some great lines. You know, I think, you know, Dan Levy's fantastic in the role too and he's always great to watch on screen. But I think there was definitely potential to, you know, yeah, just execute it a little bit better, flesh it out. But I think that just comes with experience yeah. as a writer and director. So I think it's a good effort for a first film. Mm. Um, and I would still score this in the vicinity of, you know, three um three unopened Christmas cards. So, you know, I think still a good effort and I'm excited to see what he does next. Um, I just remembered something else I watched. Uh, I binge watched it in one day. But, oh, by the way, before I get to that, I tried to watch The American Ghosts. I only got like one episode in. You know, ghosts, the British ghosts oh, here. And then there was an American, American version. version. Yeah. And I watched the first episode and I was like, nope. Um, so I don't know if people, if I just needed to get through a few of them so mm. I could enjoy the characters, but I was just like, there's just, it's it's there's, got no soul. Sometimes the British just do things better. Sometimes. And then sometimes the Americans do things better. Yeah. You just can't have it's, it both ways. You can't. Um, but I did binge watch a uh, documentary about a cult. Oh. Um, I think it was on Netflix from memory. I could be wrong. Called Love Has Won. So I don't know if you remember uh, a few years ago, only two years ago, 2021, there was a lady found in a house, uh, a corpse, she was quite silver mm. or blue in colour and she was wrapped in Christmas lights and had sunglasses on and she'd been there for like 10 days or something and people were just living around her. Oh, my goodness. She was the cult leader of a cult called Love Has One and um, this three-part miniseries is a look at her life and who she was. So she called herself Mother God mm -hmm. and then she had um, Father Gods and they ch changed sometimes, you know. Um, but she was Mother God and um, she drank a lot and then she got kind of sick and then she started drinking lots of colloidal silver. Do you know what that is? No. So during COVID... People were trying to sell colloidal silver as like the cure-all. Oh, my god! And gosh. this was where they were buying some of the stuff from. So this they started out at like as trying to be all spiritual and um, and everything and then they started selling stuff. Um, mm. But the interesting thing about this is the fact that – so this woman turned turned blue. Like when you look at the yeah. pictures of her, she's blue from the silver. Um but anyway, yeah, the most interesting thing about this documentary is that most documentaries about cults are interviews with people who, you know, were escaped in it once upon a time them, right? or escaped mm. them. Most of the people being interviewed this, in this, despite the fact that Mother God is gone um, or Amy um, is her actual name, they still believe basically the same stuff Um and they believed they were doing the right thing because, you know, wow. Amy gets really kind of sick and at one point has a come-to-Jesus moment, excuse the pun, but and says, um, I think I want to go to a hospital. And they're actively saying to her, no, no, you always said no, so of course we didn't take her to a hospital. Um, so, you know, 
whose fault is it that she died? And they're still talking about the fact that they think they did the right thing because that was not what she would have wanted. Wow, that's really cool. Fascinating. Fascinating. Have um, they recruited a new leader? Or? No. So they've kind of splintered off a little bit, but mm. the thing is there's so much footage because they were trying to eventually get to the point where they were live streaming 24-7. Right. So there's a lot of live streams that basically get put into this. You get to see inside the cult and what's happening on a day-to-day basis, wow. you know, during this time. Oh, might give that a watch, it's, I think. Crazy, um, but yeah, don't drink colloidal silver. Yeah, probably not a good idea. Or not um, a lot of it, unless your unless your doctor, you know, don't do anything. Your doctor, just just listen to your doctor, <laughs> or just drink water. Just drink water. Just drink water. Water's good. Water's great for you. <laughs> Please just don't drink anything. Uh, we're not medical professionals, but we can highly advise you not to drink colloidal silver. There you go. I think that's one thing we can all agree on, people. Absolutely. Um, so next week, Lewis will be back. He'll talk about the beekeeper, which is interesting because we both have just given two things beehives as scores. Um, but I think the beekeeper I thought was going to be like this nice, pleasant, um, film, but he he looks like a mercenary. So it's completely not what I was expecting. I didn't see it, but, um, the trailer made me laugh. I haven't seen the trailer. Oh, it's, I actually don't know what we're talking about. I need to go look at the trailer because it sounds interesting. It's got Jason Statham or something like that in it. And anyway, yeah, watch oh, the trailer. Gotcha. Um, we're going to get out of here. Lewis will talk about his um, his his review of Colour Purple next week. And if you are looking for it on IMDb, spell it the American way. Great advice. We'll uh, catch you then. Bye-bye. Oh, and if you are listening to this live, this is Push the Button from the, the musical. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.